Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Sports Booth. My name is Luke, and that is Husey, my co-host. Husey, how are we? Uh, four on the trot, I think, for your, your tars, mate. Yes, uh, something like that. Uh, very, very good. Very much what we said would happen, um, pretty much. So, yeah, Waratahs, they had uh, a tough game. I think we called it at, at the force game, that that was the turning point of the season. They need to win that one, and then from then on, it should just be one loss, maybe two more losses, and then... then clean sheet the rest of the season so and that's that's pretty much what's happened they beat the force lost the blues and yeah a great and necessary win uh on the weekend against the dura who as always provide a very physical contest totally totally and some massive tackle numbers i read in that game as well i think harry johnson made like 20 odd tackles so when your props doing that you know it's a it's a tough game um, yeah look i think if we talk about the task just quickly I don't mean they've reached the heights that both you and me believe that they were capable of. However, yeah. I think they've shown a lot more like they're guaranteed sixth place now. Um, it'll be interesting what happens with that third place and who finishes there. But you you end up with the Brumbies finishing there. And um, I wouldn't be surprised going into quarterfinal times that the Tars would have uh, a little hop in their step, I would imagine. Yeah, not having to fly over to New Zealand is definitely an advantage. And I think they showed in their matches against the Brumbies that they can take it to the Brumbies uh, and and beat them. I think in, in both those contests, they were very, very winnable um, games from the Waratahs and they, they let them slip a bit. So I think they would be very happy to be lining up against the Brumbies as opposed to any of the other top four teams. Totally. Uh, okay, let's run through the, the, the week quickly. Uh, Crusaders smash Moana is... They heap more misery on Moana, and now potentially yep. stealing their ace gun player with Levi Amore uh, supposedly being stolen. But I, again, I said this, I don't think the Crusaders are stealing him here. I think if he wants to make the All Blacks, yeah, this is where he goes. Like, and that's that's been one of my arguments for far too long. Uh, the Blues won the battle of the colours and beat the Reds, um, so the Reds weren't able to back up quite what they showed against uh, the Chiefs. The Landers, Highlanders uh, outlast the Rebels, um, yeah. which was heartbreaking for me, who's been on the, the Rebel grind, and we'll, we'll touch more because it really hurts the Rebels' chances. Um, yes, yes, it does. A couple more big results. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Canes, uh, which, you know, would bother me, but no Artie, no Geordie, uh, mm. terrible conditions, we'll take that. Your Tars we touched on, and the Falcon Force, who have decided that they will not be beat at home. We say that you can't go, no one wins in Fiji, but the actual saying is no one goes to Western Australia and comes out with a victory. Yeah, look, I will never, uh, I guess, talk down the Western Force, but just to, to, uh, sort of an asterisk on this one, probably with a, f a few of the Brumbies staying home for this one. So, not a full strength Brumbies team, um, it should be noted, particularly. Um, and there was, uh, in, the, in the coverage, the bit of the coverage I did see, the front row that the Brumbies took to Perth had a combined 33 minutes of super rugby experience between them. So, look, I guess it's, you know, it, it if, if the Brumbies were sort of thinking like, oh, we can take our B team here and walk away with a win, they got a sharp reminder that you can't. Um, but I think it's also a sharp reminder for everyone that, you know, just despite some of the stuff that we see on the scoreboard, this competition is still the top tier competition with a lot of really good athletes spread around everywhere. And, you know, when you're missing a few key pieces, it can really, really make a difference. And, you know, you look at some of these teams, you know, and I'm sure you'll 
uh, be saying this as well. With in fact, you did say just before with the Hurricanes losing to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, it, it, when you lose, when you don't have some of your key pieces on the field, it makes a huge, huge difference no matter who you're playing. Totally, totally, yeah. And uh, I, I, again, I give it to to the force. You've got to take care of what, as we always say, exactly the position in front of you. That's that's the one you've got to beat. So they 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 beat them, and I mean. I, I, you know, they're it, put, it puts them ahead of the Highlanders, importantly. Like, that was a game that they really needed to... If, if the Brumbies were going to give them that opportunity, they had to take it with both totally. hands. It's a, it's a massive opportunity that they've taken, and it's, it's a disappointing. Again, they're five from five at home. They Their home game against the Reds was the uh, Magic Round, or whatever it is, the um, Super Round. So yeah. a little bit disappointing, probably, from their perspective, that that was there, because they have turned it. No one's gone there and won yet, so... Uh, they'll be happy with that, but again, this will really help them into their run into the final. So we're going to run through, look, the bottom five, and I've even said the bottom six here, are pretty much set, not in their positions, but I think next week we'll know exactly where players, teams are finishing, so we don't have yep. to run through them. Chiefs will more than likely finish first. Um, you've got Crusaders in second, Brumbies, Blues, Hurricanes there, and the Waratahs, I think they've still got a game against Moana Pacifica, so they'll finish yep. sixth. Potentially even fifth if uh, the Canes or someone like that drop two games in a row. So let's run into the bottom teams. We're going to leave Moana Pacifica out because they're twelfth. Um, they it doesn't they're out of contention for finals anyway. So start with the Reds. They're seventh at the moment on twenty three points. They're away against the Highlanders and away against the Dura. So a big one here. If they beat the Highlanders. And look, the Reds have now shown they can go and beat the Chiefs, so they can go and beat anyone. Yeah. Now, we can't sit here and say they're allergic to beating New Zealand teams, but it's not easy to go all the way down to Dunedin no. and win. Uh, they'll guarantee themselves a final spot uh, this week, as early as this week. If they don't beat the Highlanders, it opens up a whole new ball game, um, and they then have to do the unthinkable and go to Fiji and beat the Druda. Yeah. The Force, now this is the big one. They're in eighth on 22, which, like you said, they've taken a massive opportunity and won it, uh, beating the Brumbies. They've got the Rebels away and then the mm -hmm. Chiefs at home. Now, the Chiefs are more than likely going to be already top of the comp with the Brumbies loss, depending what happens, because they're playing the Brumbies this week. So the Chiefs and the Brumbies, if the Chiefs win that, they're resting players. I, I doubt they'd... I actually believe they'll rest players anyway against that Force in that last game. Mm. So what happens now is the, if the Rebels lose to the Force at home and say the Reds also beat the Highlanders, we see the Highlanders and the Rebels will more than likely be out of contention. So two teams are into their last surviving bullet with the Rebels and the Highlanders. Uh, so there, the Highlanders have the Reds at home. They're a ninth on 19 points and then the Blues away. So a massive ask for them to get up. Uh, they'd have to beat the Reds and then yeah. you know have a couple of results go their way. Because the Dura on 10, uh, in 10th on 17 points, now play Moana at home, and then the Reds away. So you really, as a Highlanders fan, have to be sitting there and being like, we have to guarantee a win against the, the Reds. If you lose the Reds, you're out. And yep. then somehow go away to the Blues and, and do the unthinkable in that last game of the season. And then to round us out, the Rebels, who still mathematically have a chance, have the force at home, a must-win game, as we've said. Mm -hmm. And then the Brumbies away, which is, I think, becoming a bit of a grudge match with the first five battle going on at the moment. Um, yep. And depending where the Brumbies sit, we may see the Brumbies' recent players. However, I think it's more unlikely now with what's happened against the force. I think they'll see some more players playing so two weeks to go this week's obviously a big week we'll definitely know the step up for the last week 
look, I've always said I'm not a big top eight fan, and I know it's been mentioned quite a lot, like the Hurricanes rested those players, and that Chiefs game kind of became null and void because both teams mm. know they're making the finals. But then it, it would mean that these last few weeks we wouldn't have the excitement we're going into now, which I do right Yeah, 100%. Like, I think the ball is really in the, the Reds' court here. I think if they get one, you know, I'm looking at the table, right? If they get one bonus point in any of the next two games, they definitely knock Fiji out, right? Which would be big. Like Fiji, So Fiji needs to not only beat the Reds, they need to make sure that the Reds don't get a bonus point in that win. Um, no. if, if I'm understanding my maths right, or am I completely misunderstanding my maths because the wrong? Because Fiji are on 17. Ah, so they've yes. got Moana this week. So let's let's say that's yep. a foregone five pointer. Let's say they take five points mm. from that. Then they're only a point behind the Reds and they yeah. fall on. Like No, no, yeah, you're right. No, I am doing my maths wrong. <laughs> I am doing my <laughs> maths wrong. Smart one on this podcast, I know. Buddy. Look look. <laughs> uh no. Uh so yeah, the then the yeah, yeah, look the I think then the ball is in the Dura's court because they've got two home games left. Okay. One of which against Moana Pacific and we they played them in week one. That was not a gimme game either. It was really not a gimme game, but it is one that they were that they came out on top of. And I mean, just comparison record to record, they're the better team. And based on history, they're the better team. That's the game they should win. And then they've got the Reds at home as well. Again, another huge game for uh the Dura at home in Suva as well. You know, that if they win those two games, right? That is a huge step for them towards the finals. And I just want to run you through a scenario quickly. Think about this. So the Reds play the Highlanders this week. Say the Highlanders win they and just get four points. They're on twenty three, the Reds are on twenty three. Say the Force play the Rebels and the Rebels win. And let's say they get five points. Let's just say it. So their force are on 22. The Rebels are on yeah. 21. And let's say the Dura beat Moana and end up. We could have two oh, teams 22. on 23, two yeah. teams on 22, and a team on 21 heading into yeah. the final week of the season. Like, who doesn't love seeing that? Like, That's great. That plus the top six isn't decided yet. Like, there are so many yeah. battle for spots now. Like, again, a team's going to probably get in that's lost more games than won games. And I think that's a little bit, you know, arbitrary to the, to the, to the sport. But... Like the Highlanders did it last year, we're here now. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I mean, when you have a team like the Chiefs that's only dropped one game all season, it's it's more than likely to happen. When you have teams that are just that ridiculously good, it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, even in uh, sports that have got a ridiculous number of teams, like the NFL, where you've got 32 teams, there are teams that make it into the playoffs where they've got negative records as well. Um, but that's that's more based on their division yeah. system than anything else. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a very exciting run home. It is a very, very exciting run home. I, I think... Yes, again, my friend. Yeah. Two teams come from five. Now we're sitting where we are. Who are you saying the two teams are? Need to, okay. I'm th- going to stick with my early season prediction of the Dura. Yep. And... And one of the Reds or Highlanders. More than likely... Oh, God, it's tough. I'm going to say the Highlanders. I'm going to say the Highlanders finish seventh and the Dura finish eighth. I am going to go way different to you. Well, yeah. not completely. Dura get in there. They finish seventh. I think they win their last two games. I don't think the Reds win any games. But I think the Force 
beat the Rebels, and that hurts me to say because everyone knows I've mm. been a long-standing Rebels supporter from just this year. Um, and then I think because the Chiefs rest players, I think the Force at home haven't lost yet. Yeah, I think the Force get the job done again. And I so I see the Force at seventh and the Jura at eight. And Highlanders miss out, Reds miss out, and yeah. my mighty Rebels from the past year miss out as well. Yeah, no, I was very, I was very much tossing up between the the Force and the Highlanders for that seventh spot. I, I think the Dura finished eighth. I think they'd struggle to finish any higher than that, just based on where the points are at the moment and who the other teams are around there and who they play. Like yeah, the, so the fact right. of which team, which teams how, play how each can other. The force beat two teams and be up by five points and finish below the jury. Yeah. So I've got yeah. the force at seventh and then the jury at eight. There you go. There's, yeah. I'm showing on the dumb one again. I was, no, it's I had, all right. Look, I had it for a, I had it for a hot minute and then it was gone. <laughs> yeah. I think it, look, it's just, it, it's just, you know, the mathematics of rugby, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think the, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with what I, what I call the Highlanders seven, the Dura at eight. But yeah, I think the the force have got a real real good chance. Um, I but they remember they're playing a game outside of Western Australia. They they are playing the Mel, Melbourne Rebels in Melbourne, which is you know as we know their superpower resides in Perth. It does not travel. Um, so <laughs> it doesn't travel to Melbourne because the only time they've played there they lost by fifty points. The Reds. exactly so, exactly. Yeah, look, so we, we I could be very wrong, but I I just I, after the forces the. The momentum they've built, beating the Brumbies, I think they'll be rearing to go, um, and I think they'll get it done. But we will see. This will all be a clearer picture next week, and we'll give you the rundown of the full table next week. Yeah, on this body right. it's going to be a very exciting upcoming week, and potentially even a very exciting final week of the season as well. That's not to say. I mean, we 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 did go through the this week quickly, but I do want to highlight the Waratahs game. Um, if people haven't seen it, the Langy Gleason try where he just he just bulldozes over a man, and not just any man either, but a player of the Fijian Dura, all right, who've been laying the wood on the Waratahs players all game long and in the previous game as well, was just a thing of beauty to see. And what I really liked from that game, of course, was Max Jorgensen being the facilitator, not just necessarily um, scoring tries on his own, but three tries in that game, he had a direct hand in. Um, even if the, the Nwangani Tawase try, the, the final of the three had a hand in, was not so much for hand, but he did, he played his role there. He drew the defenders in, but that was a great try as well. I mean, overall, I was just, it was a very entertaining game against the Dura. It showed that they're a quality opponent and that they're entertaining watch. Still, it's an entertaining product, uh, but thankfully, the, the Waratahs got the win there. I will say, uh, I think the season's been the perfect season for Maxi J. Mm. Sliding under the radar a little bit, you know, the Waratahs weren't going so hot. Get that experience, you know, play good footy, get some really good super rugby under his yeah. belt where, you know, I think he had a stand-up game last week, but it's not like he's the end-all or be-all of that Waratahs team with that star-started back line that you've got. Mm. I just think it's been the perfect season for him to... Yeah, especially as an 18-year-old, yeah. To, to, this, to this level of rugby, you know. Hasn't played any shoot-shield rugby this year, so he's made that jump straight from school to rugby. It's not... It's not one many can make. Let's not lie yeah. about it. Like a, it's big for a New Zealander to even even be doing something like that. Um, so you know, good on him, and you know, well done to the Waratahs for easing him in the way he does. And I guess a little bit throwing in the deep end with Kitley Bell's situation, but he, he's mm. got the job done. Shall we move on to some European rugby with a French? Mm. 
have uh, taken a first step in, in world rugby, I would say, this year, leading into their home World Cup. La Rochelle mm-hmm. beat Leinster, coming back down from 17-0. It, it gives me satisfaction again. I sit here and talk about it. Leinster rested some of their best players to lose a semi-final against Munster so that they'd be fit for this game. I, I do not like the fact that they had to do that, like yeah. that you should have scheduled that apart, but URC, I think, will work on that for next year. But they went out and then lost and didn't even bring home the big silverware that they were looking for. So it, it, it makes me happy to see again this Leinster team, which is filled of Irish, who are too good to uh, out, uh, lose. However, they lost to a French team, who I also hate the French. However, yeah, there's a lot more international players in that La Rochelle team. Than Will Skelton for one. Yeah. Exactly. Um, to uh, Kerbalo as well, who's potentially putting his hand up for the Wallabies, if his name got called. In the Challenge Cup, Toulon beat Glasgow. The Scots went down to Toulon, which was a star-stacked team in that second uh, mm-hmm. div comp. Um, but again, a, a French team winning it. However, a few international players really helping out. Cheslin Kobe won to speak. In other international news, and I would love for us to be able to sync up some finals so, you know, Japanese League One finish. We had European Cup competitions. It'd be great if, like, Super Rugby somehow synced up with these international periods. I know it would become mm. a summer sport, but I don't know how it would work. But, again, it would be really cool if you had the Super Rugby final the same time as you had the URC final, as the same time as you had the English Premier, the Top 14 final, all of that. would be a cool little weekend of footy. Um, but Japanese one League League One final, the uh, Wild Knights that you'll know, uh, Kotobiti plays for mm-hmm. loss. They were going for free in a row to uh, the Kubota Kibut, Spears of uh, Bernard Foley's team. So with Will Skelton, as we mentioned, with Bernard yeah. Foley's teams, you know, and I think Skelton playing a massive part for La Rochelle, getting a win, does this perk up your ears to the ghetto law, the free players you're bringing in for the rugby championship. Look, Nick Frost has been playing really well. We've seen Jerry Moore Williams out in Western Australia put his hand up. Jed Holloway playing fantastic, but they're not well scouting, are they? No, they're not. And it is it is going to be a huge decision um, for for Eddie Jones to make um, because you can't leave Corabete and Karevi out of the squad. I just don't think there's any way you can do that. Because if you do that and you don't win the World Cup, uh, you'll be dragged through Pitt Street and pelted with rotten fruit. You know, <laughs> like that. Just you just can't do that, right? Uh, so that that's essentially two spots taken by default, right? And I don't think even though Corbett's team did lose to Foley's team, I, I, I mean, he, you saw the cover tackle he made in that game. I hope he did anyway, like just a mirror image um, of the one he did against South Africa last year. Uh, and then Karevi is just a dominant force at inside center and on his day can be the best player in the world. So I don't think you can leave either of those two I agree, out. and I just want to mention just quickly, in that game, so Kotobiti's <laughs> there, you've got Riley who represents Japan in the centers for his team, Dialande from South Africa, um, Matsuada from Japan as well. Lachlan Boshia was a Chiefs player. Um, Ludiaga, South African. So that was all in Kotobiti's team. Then you've got Malcolm Marks in the other team. Mm. You've got, you know, Bernard Foley, obviously, Ryan Crotty. So this wasn't just average rugby players, Japanese rugby players they were playing with. You know, that was a very yeah. high-level rugby game. So, again, Bernard Foley, does he come into the mix now? Like, he's playing, a bit, I believe... Um, Quaid's team was right down at the bottom of the table. Obviously, he hasn't played a lot of rugby. Yeah, so you've got Karevi, you've got Karabiti, you've got Skelton, Foley, 
where are you looking, my friend? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, uh, really. Uh, I, I'm struggling to... It's 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 really going to come down to Eddie Jones's preference for for first five. I think, uh, yeah, unless Carter Gordon is really blowing his hinges off, um, Quaid is likely to retain the spot. I don't think, I don't know if if Foley will do enough to knock that down. I don't know if Skelton plays a vital enough role to take away from that first 10 unless someone like Carter Gordon is really blowing Eddie Jones's socks off or even uh someone even Noah Lolasio for example unless there's yeah. unless there's a 10 um you know even Ben Donalds has had a good run of form as well unless the unless one of those local 10s is really really impressing Eddie Jones I think Quaid gets the tap on the shoulder and as much as it's a fresh coach incumbency does play a role in things like this and experience and Quaid is a fantastic uh, first five as well. So, and that is a position of greater need than second row. Totally. Yeah, I can see uh, you're thinking there. It'll be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting when it comes down, you know, um, last decisions to be made. I, again, health, I think availability, as we always say, is the best ability. Who will yep. be there at the right time when they'll be there um, will be big. However, uh, let's move on to Luke's new rugby law. Okay, so mm. first law I changed was no hands in the ruck. Now, then I went to no kicking out on the full. Now, we come to my third law that I'm changing, trying to make rugby easier. What I am doing is I'm adding extra time. So, very similar to, to football, soccer, injury time. If a player goes down, the clock still runs. If a goal kicks, you know, happens, clock still runs, and at the end of the half, we get a five-minute time. So we know when it's, say, it's a 45-minute half in the end, so it's 40 mm. plus five, then at the 45-minute is the end, like the end of the game. So, again, we can still play on. We can still, you know, kick the ball out and go for a line-out and keep playing during that time. But I just think this will take a lot of stoppages out of the game purely because if you're down, you're not slowing the game down. We're going to add that time on anyway. Um, I know it'll play a little bit with TV timings and everything like that, but I think it would be something willing to would would get changed around, like would get adapted to, and be able to use it really easily. And it just 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 means that players now you know have to just respect the time more, a bit more. Like it doesn't matter if you're wasting time where until that board goes up and there's 88 minutes left. Yeah. So again. I- Talk me through again a little bit of the specifics of the mechanic of this. Like, how does this extra? How is the extra time calculated? Is it just is it an arbitrary extra five minutes, or is it based on injury stoppage time? Based and what on, other stoppages could be included? Based on stoppages. So I would go anything a that is any injury time. So a play goes down, that's definitely added to it. Any time a scrum's being reset, I would do that. I would do any time like there's a penalty, not a shot at goal. Like the shot at goal and all that stay at 60 seconds or 90 seconds. They don't count towards it because that's ball and play kind of time. I would go, but any time there's a referee blows a penalty and then we have a Bernard Foley situation, 
So we don't get those situations. If they, if they want to take a little bit longer, they can take a little bit longer, but it doesn't affect the game. You know, like say yeah. you go, let's get a line out call together. We know what we're doing. It takes an extra 30 seconds. Great. Like it doesn't matter because that 30 seconds is going to be getting it on. So that would, be, that would be the big free. And that would be the only free I'm really looking to add time. A player down injured, a scrum reset, and we add time on there. And then penalties slash free kicks, yeah. anything like that where we slow time down. It's interesting, but. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, there's a, few, a couple of issues with it, I think. I mean, obviously, the first one is that this could be a huge amount of time added on, right? I think if I'd be very interested to see if there were any statistics on what that extra time in those things was. If, if, you get into the, if you're getting into the averages of a double-digit amount of stoppage time, I think that's too much. I think you, you need to have the restrictions in place so that your average amount of extra time you're adding on would be no longer than eight minutes, right? Because if oh, you look at football agreed. matches, I think like it's like f the average amount of extra time it's added on is like five minutes, four or five minutes or something like that. If you if you could do that, yeah, sure. And I mean, we sometimes see that in Super Rugby now anyway, but I think that there is too, it's too broad at the moment. There's just too many things that would count towards it and you end up playing almost a, a an extra quarter of a half um a quarter of a half i should say and i'm not gonna so everyone understands me that i'm not saying they'd play an extra <laughs> quarter to a half i'm saying they would play the an extra quarter of a half um added on to the game which is a huge amount of effort like 10 minutes is a huge amount of time uh in in a rugby game um and I think that would be just too much to add on, well, except in exceptional circumstances. I, I get what you're saying totally, and I agree. Like, you don't want a game going on for an extra 10 minutes. But when there's, again, if it's a serious injury, I think you stop the clock and stuff like that and yeah. you get them treated. But if it's a, a injury or a player cramps up and they're trying to play it on, it's the get up, like, this isn't counting to the time. So I, I think you'd limit it to, yeah. Again, I don't think you could put a limit on it, but I think you'd the, the goal would be, like, you don't want more than five minutes of stoppages, things like that coming up. Um, but again, I think it would speed up the game where players are less worried about slowing down time until those stoppages came up. So until you mm -hmm. hit the 80th minute and then we said, okay, the ball goes up, it's plus four minutes. You know, like I think you wouldn't be trying to slow time down at 68th minute, 70th minute, just because you're ahead. Yeah, I think there's positives to it. It just needs to be, uh, it needs to, like, I, I'm I'm not going to put my, my stamp of approval on it until, like, this, or if there is ever any statistics on it about how much stoppages there would be and what sort of time you'd be adding on there. But, yeah, if you could get it to the four or five-minute mark as the average amount of extra time, I think that would be... That'd, that'd work for everyone, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It could. Again, I see it working. Uh, I would love, it's, again, all these rules need to be tested out um, pre just deciding it. It's just something that yep. came into my head was like, you know what, Like, let's cut those motherfuckers that go down with a cramp in the 78th minute and just say, look, you know, we'll keep playing or and we'll keep the time ticking and we'll give three minutes for the extra time. But, again, there would be, it would be interesting to see how it would be manipulated as well because as mm. every good coach and player will try and manipulate those laws. Uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on the desirability of Super Rugby. A rugby pass article I read um, and it was really interesting and I thought let's discuss it. Let's discuss it on the podcast. So what they were saying and I want to put, I'm going to put you in a couple of situations and see how you react. Okay, who is the best rugby league coach in the NRL at the moment? And there's no right or wrong answer like whoever you say. 
probably I eat probably Wayne Bennett or Ivan Cleary. I think. I mean, you couldn't is, go wrong saying Craig Bellamy either. But yeah. So let's 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 go Wayne Bennett. Do you yeah. think Wayne Bennett would turn down his current role for an assistant coach of the Kangaroos? Uh, no. No. Now let's go over to English football. Best football coach in English football. Who would you mate, be? Fuck the fuck the man. I don't know. Uh, uh, probably what's his name? Uh, Pep. Whatever his name is. Pep Guardiola. Guardiola. Him or Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. One of those okay. two. They're pretty Either good. Either those two. Perfect. Good examples. Do you think they would turn to, like leave their jobs for an assistant coach role? No. So. This is what we. This is what the article exactly talked about. New Zealand rugby's hired Razor, which is fine. A Crusader coach going to coach the All Blacks. Yeah. That's that's a progression. Wayne Bennett may have said it if he was going to take on Australia. He may take that job. His two assistants. Well, I mean, that's what Mal Meninga did. You got exactly. the example, Mal Meninga. Mal Meninga. His two assistants are Leon McDonald, the Blues coach, and Jason Holland, the Hurricanes coach. So we have two Super Rugby coaches who have said, I would rather be an assistant coach of an international rugby team, and I understand it's the All Blacks and it holds a different aura about it, but we've got two head coaches of two very good teams in the top five of the competition who have said, I would rather be an assistant coach for the All Blacks than the current coach for the Hurricanes or the Blues. Now, I understand it's different. International rugby is on such a greater scale, but when you look at international football, it isn't, like and club football, it isn't on that greater scale when we're discussing rugby league as a as a counterpart. It just made me think the person was right who was writing the article was it's not desirable to be a, a head coach of those teams if if an assistant coach role of an international role comes up and you'd rather do that. So that so they're not able to so they're not staying on as super rugby head coaches. They can't be super and assistant coaches. Mm. So two coaches' roles up for free coaching roles up for grabs next year for free Super Rugby teams in New Zealand. It's a bit. It's a big deal because, yeah, like you know that that to me shows that no one, not no one, but if coaches don't care about the club competition, uh, players care about it. I think they are one of the few, and the fans aren't caring about it as much. Who's going to care about it? Like it's just another strike against Super Rugby for from New Zealand rugby for me when you see stuff like that. And it's, I don't want to say it's against Jason Holland or Leon McDonald. I think it just shows how much importance we have on international rugby at the moment rather than our club competition. Yeah, I don't think they're... I think with NRL, with English football, there is more, even more... And it's, it's kind of crazy to say. It's like the history of the league is more well-known and well-established. And probably because it's been a bit more of a stable league. Like when you look at Super Rugby, because it is played uh, cross borders a lot of the time, you know, with COVID, it was shut mm-hmm. down. We had the South Africa teams leave. You know, we had Japan come in and leave, Argentina come in and leave and things like that. Like it does mess with the format and it almost messes with the importance of winning a title in a lot of people's minds and, and how, you know, and I think as well, it is a little bit of the fault of the Crusaders because they just keep winning titles. And it's like, well, no one else, if you're coaching Super Rugby, you're not likely to win a title while unless you're coaching the Crusaders. So why why continue on kind of thing? Um, 
so yeah, I would be I think it would be uh more like if say if Razor hadn't gotten the top job at the All Blacks, if he left the Crusaders to be an assistant coach at the All Blacks, I I would be really raising my eyebrows at that. Not necessarily just purely because of the history of him in that role, but also like, oh, you're going from the best team to have ever played in Super Rugby and the most winning team in all of professional sports history to be an assistant coach at the All Blacks. Like that is that that would definitely show me then like, oh, even the guy that's winning all of the titles doesn't care that much about it. Totally. And I think it's really going to be really interesting. Like, like I like you said, what you said about the structure and, you know, the mm. stability of the comp at the moment. I wonder if we look back to 2003, 2004, even like those late 2000s when it was one of the strongest comps in the world. Yeah. Would would coaches have decided, you know, I'm going to leave for an assistant coaching role with the All Blacks? I think they would have been more indifferent to it. And I think you would have seen more, like the only way they'd leave is for a head coaching role of an international team. Um, yeah. So it just, I think, yeah, we're currently at such a base and we're, it's like we've just about started again. So like, how do you they get from here to where they want to go? It's going to be a really interesting next and also years for Super Rugby. Yeah, I think as well the, um, yeah, the, the whole image of Super Rugby needs to change to appeal to to fans again. And I don't Probably. know. I get. I, I do take issue with a lot of parody articles I see in um, Batuta about who the the only people who watch Super Rugby is. I don't know. I just I I very much don't like negative, like like putting down sports competitions and the people who play in them and the people who watch them you know like i think we can be a bit better than that a bit but a bit more inclusive um so yeah i i would just say like but super rugby does have uh need to sort of i mean i always harp on about it do a better marketing job i think they've done a better job and they're they're, they're progressing that way but uh it really needs to get um back to the levels it was in the 2000s where it was an equal competition with the nrl yeah, I think that the, the, the biggest issue I see at the moment with Super Rugby is it's interna- an international competition. Like, I get the NRL is they've got one team in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so trying to get, like, three different countries involved and the, the wide grass that we've got where it's not as close as you've got in, say, uh, the NRL. Like, I look at it like the A-League. It's, it's tough to market and the A-League only has one team but when you've got Western Australia and you know you don't have that hub of teams like you've got in the AFL or the NRL it's it's, it's going to be interesting yeah I, I tend to agree um, they're doing a better job but how they the next 10 years yeah what they do will be very interesting yeah I almost like to sit and go back to the conference system a bit more um, and then structure the finals around the conferences I think and then just have regular season play just be Australian teams versus Australian teams, New Zealand teams versus New Zealand teams, and then have, you know, Fiji in the Australian division, Moana Pacifica in the uh, New Zealand division, and then work it out from there. Because I think yeah. you get you get more people at games that way. And yeah, there's also I, less mm-hmm. less games in the season than that way, and you probably get bigger crowds. I don't, it, it's, it's complicated with all broadcast rights and things like that as well. But, yeah, I, I or even, like, limit the number of times you play across uh the across the ditch a bit more like every yeah i don't know maybe you only play one team from the other conference once you you do it like a sort of nfl style thing so if you finished top of the australian conference last year uh you play the team 
that finished top of the New Zealand competition last year. But then I guess, how do you work out who plays home away? I don't know. It, but I think, yeah, almost domesticating it a little bit more would be better. That's a good way of putting it. I think it's just about, it's going to be like, it's going to get to that one point where it's like, are we going to be better separate with a way we can do it separately? So like, again, is there a way we encompass teams from the shoot shield? Are we, do we mm. do like multiple divisions and conferences and it's all, you know, Australian Super Rugby and then New Zealand Super Rugby and then we have crossover, you know, you know, competitions with like a European cha- uh, Champions mm-hmm. Cup type thing. It, again, there's lots of possibilities. I think right now they're doing the right thing, trying to get a base. Um, I think the worst decision they made was taking out South Africa because of how big that support was. As much as we yeah. think that we could do it without them, we've shown we aren't achieving our great heights as we were. Um, but it's a huge immigrant population of South Africans as well here. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on to our final point today, our top five Super Rugby players. I discussed this last podcast where uh, we were talking, someone said that, I think it was John Kewen or... Um, can't remember who it was, Goldie. Uh, that said that Richie Moonga was the greatest rugby player, uh, rugby union, uh, rug, Super Rugby player of all time. So I said, yeah. let's go away, find our top five. I will do my top five today. Have you got your top five ready? I do. I just haven't put them on the, the list. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So I'm going to start off with my five, and then, Husey, you can do yours. Now, we all know Luke loves an asterisk, so I've put an asterisk there. My asterisk is Bowden Barrett, so he's not in my top five. However, if pre him departing New Zealand, if he leaves New Zealand and leads the Blues to a Super Rugby title, I think he'll make the top five. He's led two different teams to a Super Rugby title. That doesn't happen often. He's led the Hurricanes to their first one where they weren't a team. You know, they were that, that team was incredible, but again, it was definitely around him. Um, so he's my asterisk. When I go into five, I'm going to start with Liam Messam. Now I'm starting with him. He was part of the Chiefs sides that won back-to-back titles in the early uh, 2010s. I think it was 2012, 2013 maybe, between the Reds and the Tars at one, I think. Um, mm. He played over 180-odd games, um, only just finished last year, I believe, uh, just was a, a, a key part of that Chiefs side when they were at their best and the longevity of his career, I just thought he had to be on there. Mm-hmm. Number four, Mornay Stain from the Bulls. I think second highest point scorer behind Dan Carter for Super Rugby. Um, he was part of the 2007-2008 Bulls team that won the Super Rugby comps in South Africa. Um, so I just felt like, again, his input to the competition, you couldn't have him off the list. Third one, probably a little bit controversial, but it just it blew my mind when you look at his stats and there will be some arguments. I, I had him down the list. I had him up the list. Israel Falau. I went with Izzy Falau at number three. What he did in those six years to score 60 tries, yeah. when we look at Julian Sevilla, who's had now, I think it's his 12th year, and he... Is getting is just tied him. It just blew my mind. I was like, that year the Waratahs won when he was here, led them to their first title, helped lead them to the first title. Um, was a dominant force in that time with the Waratahs. Waratahs were always more competitive with him there. You can you make the argument that the competition was a little bit less, as in the teams he was playing, so it was easier to score some of those tries. But I think in the end, what he did blew my mind away when I was looking at the numbers. Number two, I've gone Richie Mwanga. The Crusaders have been dominant, obviously, the last few years. Won the title last year. Won the two 
um, Super Rugby NZ, Aotearoa comps, then won three or four before that. I think there was one year he's played where the Crusaders haven't won a title. I know there was a Trans-Tasman one that he didn't win in the middle there, but I think the year the Hurricanes won it in 2015 was his first year. And then since year, he's been... Incredible. Now, I don't think he's been as important. Like, I think, again, the competition's been slightly worse. I don't think he's been as important to his team as number one when they win it because I think this Crusaders dynasty has built out. You look at you look at some of the locks, especially Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett. Um, mm-hmm. You just go, look, this team's been built to win. Um, but my number one, Dan Carter. Most points ever won three or four titles with the Crusaders in a time where it was at its most competitive, um, probably a little bit less. I looked into some Brumbies players when they finally won it in early Crusaders titles when I think they won the first three, or I think it was like the Blues, then then the Crusaders won three from 97 to 99. Um, yeah. But Dan Carter just stood above the rest. I, again, he's an incredible player. Um, and I think at the times when he was playing, it was the toughest to win, and he still managed to win and score all those points. Top five. Boom. Drop it, mic drop, yep. walk away. Look, I've it's it is you make good arguments and uh I'm gonna do mine backwards because my top three is the same as your top three. I looked, I did my research, I tried to think, okay, can I where can I make some moves here? Where can I move someone around here? But it's hard to hard to argue with that. And yeah, I did think a bit about putting Richard Moanga above Dan Carter there, but I think that yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it was it's just too it's just too hard. It's almost a flip of a coin uh, in that case. Israel Falau, yeah, a freak when he was here, could have played longer, could have started earlier, could have been even better, could have been number one on the list. But that's that's his legacy. It could have been, and so that's why he'll never be number one on any list. However, number four, I have gone uh, Victor Matfield, right? Part of that tremendous uh, Bulls uh, team. Um, the only I, I was surprised to learn in my research the only South African team to ever win a Super Rugby title was the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd asked me that, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that. I still um, I still remember to this day that Bulls versus Sharks final where it was like Brian Habana split through the middle to win and yeah. scored and did his Brian Habana dive. That was that was history. Yeah. So uh, key part of part of those teams, um, and then at number five I have got George Gregan. Right, oh, yeah. because you and I'm glad you brought the Brumbies there because yeah. with the Brumbies he won two Super Rugby titles and he, he helped lead them to a runner-up spot in uh, three more basically. Yeah. So in his time there, they were super competitive. He was there for ten years. For five of those years, they were in the grand final. That's pretty pretty that's impressive. A, that's a good rate, definitely. That's and a very very good striker and winning two of those as well is very 100%. very good. And and, and and the most competitive time Super Rugby was and yeah. it's well, between nineteen ninety. Yeah, he was there nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and sorry nineteen ninety six to two thousand and seven. In his second year, they were runner up. Two thousand, they were runner up. Two thousand one, they won it. Two thousand two, they were runner up. Two thousand four, they won it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So yeah. yeah, the two times they won it was in those early two thousands. The most competitive Super Rugby yeah. ever was. <laughs> and I think ever will be unless we make some changes. But yeah, I I do not mind that list at all. A couple of mm. Bulls players in there again. That was my number five. Was looking at there. I, Joe Roth would have been around during that. Yes, front I did. Time. I did have him so, in my research him. notes as well. So I mean, it's a great discussion to have. I must say, and the fact that we've ended up with the same top three doesn't surprise me. I think those three stood out. Even Mornay Stain, I was close to putting him over Izzy just because of what he did. But yeah. 
Victor Metfield, George Gregan, all of them not far away. And I think it's important to know, and one of the articles I read as well, uh, it might have been the Rugby Pass article, in fact, where they were quoting the original uh, progenitors of this discussion, said it's very hard to not be clouded by what these players achieved internationally as well. So you really have to look at it just from what they did in Super Rugby. And I think that's very telling that we've done that, the fact that Richie McCaw is not on this list. Um, you know, it's Richie Mwanga and, and and Dan Carter for what they achieved at Super Rugby level. Not to say Richie McCall wasn't um, a fantastic uh, member of the Crusaders and the titles that they won, but really his impact was probably more felt on an all-blacks level. And I will say, um, I think the, the points that Carter scored, like scoring 1,700 points, is just him and Morningstein just had me on another level. Same with the try. So mm. um, we probably missed McCall because... What you see from McCaw and what McCaw does can't be, you know, numbered. You can't statistically say what McCaw does for a team. But again, yeah. I think I, lo- I really like the Victor Matfield one, and I, I don't disagree with George Regan. wasn't far away for me. Ivor, wow, we've got an exciting week of Super Rugby ahead. As much as we can say we dislike the setup of the comp and, and want some changes, it's an exciting week. Exciting two weeks before yes. we head into final. It's an exciting, what, five weeks as we lead on to a grand final. Um, so we will be keeping you up to date for all of that stuff. Um, anything else, Husey? That's everything for me, my friend. It's going to be a tough game this week against the Crusaders, but my Waratahs, we're in the finals. That all, that's all that matters. It's in Christchurch, isn't it? I think we've got the Blues yep. in Auckland, so it's a tough ask. Back to back. I will double-check for you, my friend. Because but that's just the back. kind of guy I am. Geordie's back. Tyrell Lomax is back. The boys are back in town. Yeah. And they're going to. Well, they're not back in town. They're in someone else's town. Uh, yeah, you are in Auckland. Auckland. All righty. Well, uh, keep you updated from Christchurch in Auckland next week. Make sure you keep joining us. Uh, if you like these videos, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe, like all of that good, juicy stuff for now. Thank you for joining us. I've been Luke. That's been Husey. This has been the, That Rugby Podcast. Goodbye. Peace.